Thanks for checking out this Church in the City podcast. In our series through the Gospel of Matthew entitled The Good News of God's Kingdom, we're exploring the ways that we, as disciples of Jesus, partner with God for the real, everyday advancing of His kingdom. I came across a rather obscure statistic uh, this week. I follow a Twitter handle um, called, uh, about church statistics, and uh, the statistic says this, 43% of Americans believe that Christians complain too much. 43% of Americans believe that Christians complain too much. And by the way, that's up from 34% two years ago. And I find that a fascinating statistic. I mean, who actually would take the time to measure something like that? And then the second thing is, what, what are the Christians complaining about? You know, what, what, is it, what is it that we are complaining about? Uh, I say all that to say, what I'm about to say is not a complaint, but it's a, but it's a fact. It's a fact. Followers of Jesus are the target of an organized effort by spiritual forces of wickedness and evil headed by Satan that are violently opposed to the purposes of God. And so the questions we're going to ask and answer today is, is, is that real? And I think from that testimony alone, we know it is. Is that real? And if it is, how on earth do we find victory? How on earth do we overcome the attack and the opposition of the enemy? So we are teaching through a series in the book of Matthew, just to quickly place this sermon in the context of our series. We're teaching through the book of Matthew, first 13 or so chapters, In the, 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 the title of our series is The Good News of God's Kingdom. And very specifically, we are focusing our first few weeks, our first kind of four sermons, are going to be around how do we live in the kingdom of God? We started off in, in, in Matthew chapter 1 where we spoke about God's grace, the, the God's riches at Christ's expense. My, my best or my worst, my best doesn't qualify me, my worst doesn't disqualify me from coming into the presence of God. Why? Because I'm saved by grace and by God's grace alone. The next week, uh, Chris uh, 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 shared out of Matthew chapter 2, the second aspect of what it means to live in the kingdom of God, and that is the fact that we get to hear the Father's voice. The Bible teaches in John chapter 1, in fact, that, that when we receive Jesus, when we believe in Jesus and receive him as Lord and Savior, he gives us the right to become children of God. And with that right comes the, the privilege and the opportunity to hear the Father's voice. And then two weeks ago, our third sermon in the series, we, we looked at Matthew chapter 3. And this, this, a part of kingdom living is this, is this invitation to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. I say those three things because they build up to what I want to share today about warfare. So please, in the back of your mind, as we get into the text today, think about God's grace Remember the fact that we have the privilege of hearing God's voice, and don't ever forget that the, the way we live this kingdom life is, is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember those three things. So with that in mind, let's read our text together. Matthew chapter 4, and you're going to read just the first 11 verses. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and he said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. 
If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All of this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. We're going to teach today about the fact that Jesus is our victory. Jesus is our victory. But before we get to some practical points as to what we can learn from this text, I think the, the first question that has to be asked and answered when we read this is why? Why on earth, in verse 1, does it say that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted? Why, why was that necessary? Well, the first thing I want to suggest is that Jesus is trying to teach us or remind us or to show us that the devil is real and that opposition is inevitable. The, the war is on. The battle is on. We are, we are at war. We mustn't ever forget that. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us that our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against, uh, 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 against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I took a, a, about an hour on Thursday, and I, I just did a quick word study of, of ways the devil attacks us, and I've written this very brief paragraph just to show us the, the many ways that Satan comes at us. Satan lies, and he undermines the goodness of God. He harasses us with sickness. He tempts us to sin. He fills us with fear. He blinds us to the truth. He snatches the, way, the word when it is planted as a seed. He promotes hypocrisy, he accuses, condemns, and discourages. He brings persecution, he fosters disunity, he sows false doctrine, and he masquerades as the angel of light. John 10 doesn't say Satan or the thief comes to irritate and annoy and distract. It doesn't say that. It says the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. We mustn't ever forget that. So the devil's attacks are diverse, but also at times they are, are incredibly personal. I, I'm sure we've all got stories to tell of those moments where the devil has, has personally and specifically uh, attacked us and, and, and opposed us. I, I've got a number of kind of both in-your-face stories and also very kind of personal stories of moments where the devil has tried to, 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 to overthrow the plan and purpose of God for my life. I hope this doesn't kind of weird you out in any way, but I remember when I was newly saved, uh, lying in bed one night, uh, trying to fall asleep, and just this incredible sense of evil just began to fill the room. And before I knew it, it felt like hands were around my throat, th literally throttling the life out of me. And I remember I, I didn't know what to think or, or what to believe or, or even to know what was going on. But I, the, the first thing that came to mind was to just say the name of Jesus. And I did that. And immediately peace and rest came. So I, 
I give you that example to say sometimes, friends, the, the opposition of the devil can be really in your face. But to be honest, those in your face moments, I find are actually not that difficult to deal with. Because you know it's the devil and you call on the name of Jesus and victory immediately comes. My struggle, my, where, where I find it difficult is where, where Satan at times gets very personal and conniving and scheming. And, and he begins to uh, uh, kind of really attack us at the very heart of who we are in God and the very things that he has called us to. It's those accusations, it's those, it's those questions that he begins to ask. If you really are the leader that you think you are, Would you have let that happen? Where were you when they needed you the most? Something that I've struggled with as we've we've embraced this vision to plant 50 churches around the world, time and time again, that question, you think a church like this is gonna plant 50 churches? Most of you in this room know my struggle with speaking and stuttering and how the devil has at times used that to to torment me, literally torment me to the point where I would dread Sundays. There was a time early in in, in the leading of this church where I would see stuttering almost like the the Israelites saw Goliath, that that massive giant who comes as a a champion of the enemy camp to, to harass and to torment. And I would give in. I would give in every Thursday or Friday. The devil would come and he would say, you know that Sunday is the day that you're gonna make a fool of yourself. Sunday is the day that you're gonna stand up and you're not gonna be able to say a thing. And time after time, I would give in to the torment of the devil. The crazy thing is, 12 years in from leading this church, the tormenting hasn't stopped. Satan doesn't learn a lesson. Let me say that. He doesn't, know, he doesn't learn a lesson. The tormenting hasn't stopped. But what has changed is I've been able to reassess his lie in the light of who Jesus is. Instead of seeing stuttering like the Israelites saw Goliath, I see it now as David sees Goliath. Just an uncircumcised Philistine who's trying to oppose the purpose of God. Those personal attacks, friends, we need to understand as we're going to discover today who we are in God so that we can stand strong. Why, does Je- Why was Jesus led by the Spirit into the wilderness? First thing is because Jesus wants to, wants to teach us and remind us that the devil is real and that the oppos- and opposition is inevitable. Secondly, I want to say this. I think the reason why Jesus went through this is so that we can never say of Jesus, he doesn't understand what I'm going through. He doesn't understand what I am going through. Jesus has experienced every struggle and every temptation and every hardship that we have ever been through. And he understands what it's like. And sometimes, friends, I'm sure you know this to be true, that's all we want when we go through a hard time. We just want someone who understands. We just want someone to know exactly what it's like to experience what we've experienced. And we can't always say that of our friends, can we? But we can always say that of Jesus. Jesus has been through everything. Hebrews chapter two says this, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Hebrews chapter four says exactly the same thing. Jesus is not out of touch. Jesus has experienced every single struggle that you and I have experienced, which literally makes him a perfect high priest because he never gave in to any of those temptations. Not only does he sympathize perfectly with the struggles that we face, but he has made a way for us to find 
find ourselves in the presence of the Father to, to, to receive grace and to find mercy in our time of need. That's who Jesus is. But thirdly, and kind of the last thing that I want to mention about why Jesus goes through this, we mustn't make the mistake of thinking it's, it's just to teach us something or it's just to show us an example of, of, of how we attack the, or, or how the devil attacks us and how, and how we must respond. I think the ultimate reason, the main reason why Jesus went through the temptations that he went through under the leading of the Spirit is that it, it is pointing to the greatest victory, the victory that we celebrated last week when James preached, the victory of Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross. Matthew chapter 4 is pointing to that great event. When Jesus died, Jesus gave up his last, but was, was raised to life again after three days. And in doing that, defeated the devil, defeated sickness, defeated death, and, and, and provided the way, not a way, but the way for every single person to be able to come into the presence of the Father as we put our faith and trust in Jesus. That's what Matthew chapter 4 actually is pointing to. It's pointing to the great work of Jesus on the cross. In fact, it's pointing beyond the cross to Matthew 28, I think. You know that great verse in Matthew 28 where Jesus is commissioning his disciples. It's actually this verse, this passage is pointing to that moment where, where Jesus is commissioning his disciples and commissioning us to go and tell the nations and our neighbors of this good news. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Sometimes we just bypass that particular statement in Matthew 28. What Jesus is saying is he has rescued, he's wrestled back, he's taken back what Satan stole from Adam in the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, when Adam gave up his right to, 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 to have that fellowship and intimacy with the Father, not only did he give up that relationship, but he gave up his purpose and his calling as well, to be an ambassador of God, to represent him here on earth. Jesus has taken that back, and he's giving it to us. He's saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to, given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. This is... The point that I'm kind of building to and I want you to remember, because of Jesus' victory over Satan, we have victory because we are in him. Because of Jesus' victory over Satan, we have victory because we are in him. And because we are in him, we are able to live the kingdom life that we are called to live. I'm going to share this later on, but I want to just say this up front. Friends, we don't have victory because we are smart. We don't have victory because we are, we are able to bring something to the, to the party. We don't have victory because Jesus has chosen us because of our abilities or skills. We have victory simply because we are in Jesus. And Jesus has won the victory for us. That is why God is so brilliant at using fallible, uh, 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 flawed people like you and me to advance his kingdom. Because it's about our position in Jesus. It's about our position in him. So there are three things that we're going to look at very quickly as we, uh, as we work our way through this text. Firstly, like Jesus, we need to be led by the Spirit. Like Jesus, we need to learn to take God's at, God at his word. And then because of Jesus, we need to learn to be strong in the Lord. Led by the Spirit, trusting God's word, and because of Jesus, strong in the Lord. Let's have a look at those three things very quickly together. Look at verse one with me. Then 
Jesus was led by the Spirit. The first one, like Jesus, we, we need to learn to be led by the Spirit. Then, it's pointing back to Jesus' baptism in Matthew chapter 3. Having been filled by the Spirit, Jesus was then led by the Spirit into the wilderness. This is, this is so important, a simple truth, but so important. Friends, don't ever forget that we do not do the leading of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who does the leading of us. We are those who respond. We are not those who tell the Holy Spirit what to do. John chapter 3 emphasizes this point. When Jesus is teaching Nicodemus, he says, the, the wind, the Spirit of God, blows wherever he pleases. It is our responsibility to, to pick up on the breath and the, and the nuanced kind of dealings of the Spirit of God. Not for us to tell the Holy Spirit what to do. It's kind of what Paul was referring to in Galatians chapter 5 when he says, now that you are filled with the Spirit, you need to keep in step with the Spirit. That's our responsibility, to learn to, to keep in step with the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit moves. So we follow Him in the way that He wants us to follow Him. Friends, keeping in step with the Spirit does not mean that we live a trouble-free life. Keeping in step with the Spirit does not mean that we now suddenly walk into a, an existence or a life where we, we, where we don't struggle or we don't face hardships or temptations or we don't face opposition. The devil is the devil and he will do what he wants to do. And can I say people are people and they will do the same thing too, often without much help from the devil. People do things that hurt us and upset us and discourage us. And we need to learn to find God's wisdom and grace in it. That's what it means to walk in step with the Spirit. To find, as the Spirit leads us, to find God's grace and God's wisdom and God's power and strength in the midst of struggle. That's why James says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Because you know not because you love, love pain and suffering. No, you know that through those tough times, you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you can be complete and mature, not lacking anything. We become more like Jesus as we find the grace of the Spirit of God to go through those tough times. We become more like Jesus when we realize that it's not more of the Holy Spirit that we receive, but it's more of my life surrendered to the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That's why I can consider it pure joy. Just a little personal testimony. I want to say this truth of, of finding it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds has been the single biggest revelation to me in the last six months. God has just opened this revelation to me of, of how important it is that we don't grumble when we face trials. We don't moan when we, face trial, when we face various trials. But we find the leading of the Holy Spirit through those trials so that we are not just filled with the Spirit, but we come out of those trials in the power of the Holy Spirit just like Jesus did. We become more like Him when we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, how do we live the kingdom life that we were created to live? Firstly, it was like Jesus, follow the leading of the Spirit. Secondly, like Jesus, we need to learn to trust God's word. 
I don't want to take time to look at Matthew chapter 4 and actually speak specifically on the ways that the devil attacked Jesus. What I want to look at is how Jesus responded to him. But I want to say this, if if you wouldn't mind looking at verse 3 with me. Satan's desire was that Jesus respond as the divine son of God to the temptings and, and, and trials. We mustn't make the mistake of thinking that the way Jesus overcame the devil was because he was the divine son of God, relying on, on, his, on his magnificence and power. No, Jesus overcame Satan as a man. Look at verse three. Satan says to Jesus, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus, if you are who you say you are, if you are the divine son of God, then perform a miracle. You see, the, the, the challenge is, if Jesus did perform a miracle, who would he be obeying? The Father or Satan? Jesus only ever released the supernatural in obedience to the Father. And the supernatural was never self-serving. And friends, if we want to grow in the supernatural, which I trust that we do, let's not forget those two things. We only ever release or operate in the supernatural in response to the leading of the Father, and it's never for a self-serving purpose. It's always to bring healing and release to others. Jesus responds. He says, he says in verse 4, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The, w- the way that Jesus overcame the devil, he used the very things that you and I have, have access to. He used the strength that came from his relationship with his Father. The fact that Jesus was in the desert for 40 days praying and fasting, he he wasn't just waiting for the devil to attack him. He was pressing into the presence of his father. He relied on the leading of the Holy Spirit. And thirdly, he relied on the authority of God's word. The three times that Jesus responds, he says, it is written, it is written, it is written. For in spiritual warfare is not just about knowing or quoting scripture. Because if you wouldn't mind, just look at at verse six very quickly with me. Where are we? Verse six. Jesus says in verse four, it is written. He says, "I'm I'm I'm gonna take my stand on the word of God. Satan says, okay, great. If we're taking our stand on the word of God, I can play that game too. Look at verse six. If you are the son of God, he says, throw yourself down, for it is written. Spiritual warfare is not just about quoting or knowing scripture. Spiritual warfare is about knowing scripture and then submitting your life to the authority of God's word. Spiritual warfare is not about shouting at the devil. Spiritual warfare is about surrendering your life to the truth of God's word. It's about making good choices because you understand the will and the way of God. If you want to be in authority, as I do, the best way is to be under authority under the authority of God's word. Will you trust God's word despite what you see, despite what you're experiencing? Will you trust God's word? Will you submit to the authority of God's word? Romans chapter 10 says that anyone who puts their trust in God, anyone who takes God at his word will never be put to shame. What is God saying to you? 
I love that uh, account that Paul gives in 2 Corinthians 12 of, uh, of the thorn in the side, the thorn in his flesh. In 2 Corinthians 12, Paul, Paul writes a very candid uh, a, a time in his life where he says there was a, there was a messenger from Satan who was, who, was, who was sent to torment him. And, and, and three times, he says, he cried out to the Father to take the, that, that thorn away. That, when he says three times, that wasn't just, Lord, help me, uh, and Lord, help me. And Lord help me. He wasn't just saying quickly three things. It was it was three three probably three days or or three weeks or three or three seasons of of crying out to God, Lord, would you deliver me from this? And he goes on to say, Paul does. He says, God's answer was, My grace is sufficient for you. My power will, will be made perfect in in your weakness. We love to quote that verse. But you know where the, you know where the power of that verse comes in the three words before that. The Lord said, my grace is sufficient for me, for you. That's where the power comes, friends. That's where the authority comes. When we find what is God saying to you in your circumstance and in your situation. Spiritual warfare is not about formula or methods. Spiritual warfare is about relationship with Jesus Christ. Being led by the Spirit Finding God's word in this season that you can stand on. Paul writes again in Ephesians chapter 6, when you've done all else, take your stand. And sometimes that's all we can do. We've had a, a really difficult last two days, and I won't get into the details. And this morning, we were, both Debs and I were just overcome with, with various things. And we, we were reminded of the word the Lord gave us a couple years ago. And you know what we did? We simply said, Lord, this is what you've said to us. All we can do is stand. Stand on your word despite what we see. Stand on your word despite what we're going through. We trust in you. Be led by the Spirit. Take God at his word. And then lastly, we nearly finished. Because of Jesus, be strong in the Lord. Twice, Satan says to Jesus, if you are the son of God. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar? Something that you maybe have struggled with. I know certainly I have. You know, if you really are the son of God or the daughter of God that you claim to be, would you have done that? If the father, if God is really your father, do you think he would allow you to go through this? God's, God's forgotten you. You're not his child. Those are the things that the devil throws at us and tries to, 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 to overwhelm us with. He's questioning the very thing that should be most secure in each of us. And I point back to Matthew chapter one. It's standing in the grace of God. I am not strong because I had a good devotional time this morning. I am strong. In fact, to be honest, I haven't even prayed for church this morning because of what Debs and I have gone through. I hope that doesn't shock you or, or, or cause you to leave this church, but I'm saying this. I stand here this morning, not because I had a good devotional time. I stand here this morning because I am hidden in Jesus Christ. That's the authority from which I can stand and share God's word. God doesn't equip me and use me because I prayed a lot, although prayer is important. It's because I'm, try I'm trying to remind myself of who I am in him. Be strong in the Lord. That's what Paul writes about in Ephesians chapter 6. That again, just 
if I can just refer to that, that passage a few times I have already. Ephesians 6 is a great passage that deals with spiritual warfare. And, and Paul later in Ephesians 6 writes about spiritual, uh, about uh, um, the armor of God. But before we get there, I think some, a verse that so often we overlook is verse 10, which I think is the key to spiritual warfare. He says this, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his power. I said earlier that that warfare is about knowing God's word and submitting ourselves to God's word, but I want to say warfare is also knowing whose we are and where we are. We are strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord, Paul writes. And sometimes that can even come across as a little harsh or a little kind of little dogmatic or a little religious. You know, pull yourself together. Uh, I had a friend in South Africa, uh, many years, whenever you had a kind of went through a tough a, a season of struggling with depression, you could always say, drink a Coke and eat a Snickers bar and pull yourself together. That was kind of his remedy for life. And it's terrible advice. It's terrible. It's not what Paul is saying here. Paul is not saying, eat a Snickers bar, drink a Coke and pull yourself together. Be strong in the Lord. Come on. No, it, it's actually not a great translation. The original Greek, the, the original language, what Paul is saying is something a little bit more passive. He's saying, be strengthened in the Lord. How are we strengthened in the Lord? Well, there's so many things that we can do. There's so many ways. We can meditate on God's word. A verse that comes to mind for me when I think about being strengthened in the Lord is Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. Be still. In fact, in the NASB, in the margin, it says, relax. It says, stop striving. That song that we sang this morning. Relax. Stop striving. And know that I am God. It's the same word that, 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 that Solomon actually uses when he's confronting Saul. Uh, God had given Saul some... some uh, 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 instructions and, and Saul hadn't obeyed the Lord and he comes back to, to, to Samuel and, he, and Saul is coming up with excuse after excuse as to why he hadn't done what he, had, what he had done and Samuel says to him, he says, stop. It's the same word, stop, be still. Friends, sometimes we, we can bring so many excuses to God. God, uh, this person said this to me and, and this person did that and the devil is doing this and the world is so like this and, and why are we living in this nation in a time like this? And sometimes God just needs to say to us, be still, be still, be still, stop, rest, stop striving, stop coming up with excuses and know that I am God. Know that, that what that person said about you is not God's final word on the situation. Know that what you're going through is, is, is not the sum total of, of God's plan for your life. Know that God is working all things for good for those who, are, who love him and are called according to his purpose. Be still, be still, and know that I am God. Despite what you see, Know that I'm working through this, that I will bring you through, that I will find a way for my glory to shine through you. Be led by the Spirit. Trust in God's word. Stand on the truth that you are in Christ. Be strong in the Lord and in his power. Not my power. What, what, what do I bring? 
What do I bring? What, what on earth can I bring to the situation? Do I have any authority to come against the devil? No. That's why I pray in the name of Jesus. That's why we pray in the name of Jesus, because we pray in the name of the name. We pray in the name of the name that is above every name. We pray in the name that is exalted, that will always be exalted. We, we glorify that name, the name of Jesus this morning. That's what gives us strength to do and to stand strong and to do spiritual warfare. Friends, Warfare is not a formula. Please, I, I, I get so grieved when I see Christians trying to impose formula on one another. This is what it looks like to be baptized in the Spirit. This is what it looks like to have a devotional time. This is what it looks like to hear the Word of God. Friends, no. No. Find out how God speaks to you. Find how God fills you with His Spirit. Find how you need to read the Word. Find how you need to do warfare. Don't look around for five steps to financial freedom or or stuff like that. Find God's strategy for you. The Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. What is God's word to you? Who is leading you in your trial? Who is leading you in your season of difficulty? Is it what someone said? Is it the circumstances of this nation? Is it the struggle that we face in our city? Is that leading you? Or are you going to be led by the Spirit of God? Whose word are you going to trust? Are you going to trust God's eternal word? Or are you going to trust some lazy comment that someone threw out at you? Where are you going to stand? Are you going to stand on the shaky ground of people's opinions? Or are you going to stand on the truth that we are in Christ and Christ is in God? I don't know what else to say. I think I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) Father, we just come before you this morning. We thank you for your incredible grace. Unearned, undeserved. But yet you pour out your love upon us. You rescue us. You never, ever leave us nor forsake us. Whether we go through something as dark as a, as a cancer diagnosis, whether we face the struggle of living in a city that is just seemingly on the edge, whether it's just the hurt that comes from what people say. Thank you, Lord, that that is not the final word on the situation. Thank you, Lord, that we can find strength in knowing that you are working all things for good, that only you, Lord, know the beginning from the end. Only you do. And Jesus, thank you that you won the victory. Thank you that we win because you've won. Thank you that we win because we hide in you. 
We clothe ourselves and robe ourselves with the victor's robe. And we crown ourselves with the victor's crown. Not because we've earned it or deserve it, but because you have done it on our behalf. And so, Lord, this morning, I pray. I pray, Lord God, where where we've tried to at times, or we've made the mistake, Lord, at times, of following what people say or do or, 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 or try to define our existence by, by the world around us. Lord, we, 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 we say, Lord, we're sorry for doing that. We repent, Lord. We change, we, today we want to change our thinking. Today, Lord God, supernaturally I pray, the reality of who we are in you, Lord, let that break into our thoughts and our hearts. May we leave here today knowing, Lord, that we are victorious because we are hidden in you. I pray for those, Lord, who are going through in the midst of right now trials and temptations and difficulties and opposition. I pray, Father, that something of this message today would help them, would help me to consider a joy because we know that you are working your plan and purpose through these things. We, we, we know, Lord, you're not causing these things. But thank you that you can use these things to make us more like Jesus. Lord, we trust you. We trust you, Lord. Maybe, maybe I can ask right where you are seated, not, not, not in any other way. You don't need to stand or anything. But if you are going through a tough time right now, Whatever it is, can you just quietly say to the Lord, Lord, I trust you. I trust you through this. I trust you. I trust that you will make a way through. I trust that you will lead me. I trust that you will speak to me. Help me to stand on your word. Thank you for your victory, Jesus. Thank you for your victory. We love you. We praise you. We worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. You can always check out more messages at churchinthecity.us or on iTunes.